Our second lesson today comes from the gospel according to John. I'm reading from the 15th chapter, beginning with the 12th verse. We continue with open hearts, uh, listening for God's word. These are words of Jesus. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if, I, if you do what I command you. I do not call you servants any longer because the servant does not know what the master is doing. But I have called you friends because I have made, made known to you everything that I've heard from my father. You did not choose me, but I chose you. And I appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last so that the Father will give you whatever you ask him in my name. I am giving you these commands so that you may love one another. This is the word of the Lord. You learn something every day if you are open to it. This week I learned a new word, a new term, a new concept. It's polka yoke. This is a Japanese term that is increasingly making its way into the English lexicon, pokayoke. It means mistake-proofing. A pokayoke is a mechanism that is put in place to prevent unnecessary mistakes and to build good habits. A pokayoke is an item a connection, an action that attempts to foolproof something, some device, some scenario, and change behavior for the better. A good example of a poker yoke is found in most of our cars, and it came from a Japanese engineer. Most of our cars have been modified in such a way that the car will not start unless you put your foot on the brake. That is a poker yoke. The interlock serves to prevent unintended movement of the car when it started. It's an attempt to make it mistake-proof. Similarly, many pieces of equipment like a skill saw or a weed eater will not operate unless you do two things at the same time. These are poker yokes. Safety mechanisms and actions put in place to make machinery safer. Over time, we get used to these requirements and mechanisms for starting a car or operating machinery. And before long, our behavior change. We automatically put our foot on the car in order, on the brake in order to start the car. So the point of the polka yoke is to interrupt what might be human error. And force us to do two or more things at the same time so we are more focused and then build better and safer behavior. Now, why would I be talking about pokey yokes in morning worship? And here's why. During the month of September, 
As we launch into another year of program life and ministry together of knowing Christ and making Christ known in downtown Richmond and throughout the world as our mission statement confirms, my sermons this month attempt to highlight those primary core values that form us at Second Presbyterian Church as disciples of Jesus Christ. So last week, my subject in the sermon was sticky faith and how we are all striving to grow and nurture a faith that's not peripheral to our lives, but transformative of our lives. We want to be seeking to grow and be changed as God's people so that we can indeed trust God amidst the challenges and circumstances of our lives, and serve God in all that we do. Trust God with our very lives and follow Jesus through the ups and downs that come our way, and they know, and we know they all come, and discover the foundation and the hope that is ours through God's power and God's presence and God's Spirit. This week, the subject is God's intimate community, as you can read in the bulletin. God wants for us a fellowship, a sense of caring and connection, where we find encouragement and support, where we participate with others on the journey of faith, the belonging, the connections, the encouragement we offer and find in Christian community here absolutely transforms us. And in our passage for this day from John 15, beginning with verse 12, Jesus seems to be giving us something of a polka yoke. Jesus offers us a message. Jesus offers us a means. Jesus is talking about a mechanism that makes almost foolproof the emergence of faithful Christian community that is going to transform life. Like a polka yoke, Jesus intends to interrupt what we tend to be and initiate us with new practices and follow into intimate Christian community that gives life and indeed empowers us to serve God on the streets and throughout the world. Let me show you what's going on here. The Gospel of John is a fantastic story of the life and the presence and the purposes of Jesus, the Word made flesh. In John 1, Jesus is described as the Word made flesh. Jesus was in the beginning with God, it says. All things came into being through Him. What has come into being is life, and the life is the light of everyone. These are the first few verses of John. No darkness can overcome this light. John reminds us Jesus is the light of the world, the Word made flesh. And the early chapters of John's gospel introduce us to Jesus. He is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, the disciples point to him and say. He turns water into wine. He calls disciples, inviting them to leave their life and follow. He performs signs. He speaks sayings. And all of it is to convey the word has become flesh. God is in our midst, moving us toward the reign of God. 
This is what John is about, page after page. And when we get to chapter 13 of John's gospel, Jesus begins to teach us what it means to be formed in the community of God's people, what it looks like. And in chapter 13 of John's gospel, you might remember there is this dramatic foot washing. Foot washing. It's an acted out parable. This is what the new community looks like of Jesus' disciples, this self-sacrificing, serving depiction, foot washing. Those who follow Jesus first tend to loving each other. This is the foundation of community, mutual love, respect, care, selflessness, sacrifice depicted in foot washing. This is the kind of compassion and care that forms people in community and gives the community the message that it's going to share with the world. And in fact, this kind of self-sacrificing, loving one another is what emboldens the community to deal with the harsh realities that come to them from the world as they're called to be followers of Jesus. Do you think it's possible to be a good Christian without Christian community? Jesus doesn't seem to think so. Christians must be formed in community. Christians must be enfolded into the care and compassion and selflessness in order to be servants in the world. Jesus says toward the end of chapter 13, by this, everyone will know you are my disciples if you love one another. And then Jesus keeps repeating this emphasis, this message through chapters 14 and chapters 15. The group that Jesus forms is to love one another. It keeps coming up. This is the description of Jesus' disciples. They have a special bond of love for each other. They evolve as a loving fellowship. They love one another. The call to love others, even the call to love enemies, that comes later. But the clear distinction of those who follow Jesus, is right there. They love one another. Love one another. That's how I'll know who you are, Jesus says. So this is what we hear today in chapter 15, our second reading. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. You did not choose me, I chose you, and I'm giving you these commands so that you may love one another. And just as a polka yoke wants to interrupt our behaviors, help us avoid easy mistakes, and implement new habits, this is what Jesus is trying to do. Interrupt our tendencies to love mostly ourselves and engage us in loving others around us, creating community that will strengthen us and embolden us to be God's people serving in the world. Now, in our day and time, in a world of connections, we can Skype with people around the world. You know this. We can text and talk with anybody, anywhere, almost any time, and be in constant communication. Here's Jesus saying, trying to get through to us, trying to shape us in real, sincere, intimate community. Not just communication, intimate 
community. Love one another, belong to one another, give selflessly to each other, and then we will know something about the reign of God and be able to implement it, work for it, strive for it in the world. The term one another is really the key. Jesus knows that before we can do anything for God in the world, we have to be shaped and sustained in community. Sharing food, sharing faith, sharing friends, sharing life. This is what we are called to be about. All the one another talk here is about how disciples are to live together. That means Jesus is talking to us, the church, love one another. So this is what our deacons in this church are focused on and striving to help us with. Love one another. The deacons do this with their long-term care teams and their crisis care teams and their joyful and hospitality care teams and all the other care teams. The deacons in this church seek to give leadership to our loving one another. We have to be shaped in love for each other in order to be the faithful, worshiping, and serving community that we're called to be. That means we have to open our hearts to one another. We cannot stay isolated and alone or apart from community. And we seek to extend care to each other always in order to be formed in this intimate community. We share what is going on with our lives so that others can offer support and care for us. And we keep looking for ways to offer support and care and encourage one another so we can all be shaped in God's intimate community. It takes all of us working together. There are bumps along the way. We don't always get it right, but it's all of us working together. We strive to belong to the community here, and we allow the community to embrace us. And when we are part of the community, then we add our care and encouragement to those who need it. Then we are strengthened and then we're emboldened to worship and serve God along these streets and around the world just as those first disciples were called to do. About five blocks from my house, there's a Starbucks. Starbucks is a coffee shop. Oh, you probably knew that, right? In fact, there's probably a Starbucks about five blocks from your house, right? Everybody knows about Starbucks, but here's what we tend to forget. Starbucks has studied and, and their whole business model has been verified in numerous articles. Their focus has been on one thing. And the reason they've emerged on every corner around the world or so many corners around the world is not because they sell coffee. Coffee has been sold in lots of shops through lots of years. Starbucks has succeeded because they've structured everything about themselves, not around coffee, but around connections. You go to Starbucks to connect with people. You go to Starbucks to connect with the internet. You go to Starbucks to connect, to find community, to be with others. You might have coffee or something else, and their coffee is not too bad. 
But the main goal of Starbucks and their business model has always been to engage you and all of us in the neighborhood with one another. And they've done this around the world. That's been their model. They know what Jesus knows. The one another connection part is the foundation to all the other parts. We do not do so well on our own. We're made for one another. God's intimate community. So Jesus keeps saying it over and over as he teaches about how to be the church. Love one another. And we can do this way better than Starbucks, folks. Because it's not just about our connections. It's about love. Love one another being rooted in God's love and building, promoting, encouraging God's love among one another. Love one another, Jesus says. Become God's intimate community and then you can trust God when life gets tough and then you can serve God in the world, which is all of our callings. Become God's intimate, connected people who belong to each other, care for each other, find foundation in community, and then you can indeed prosper as God's people. This is echoed all through the scriptures. Love one another with mutual affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Live in harmony with one another. Help and pray for each other. Care for one another. All that's in Romans 12. Bear with one another if, it has, if one has a complaint. Forgive. Put away bitterness and wrath and wrongdoing and wrangling and slander. Be kind to one another and tenderhearted. All that is in Colossians 3. We hear this again and again through the pages of Scripture. Jesus and all these words are trying to interrupt how we tend to be. Isolated. Turned inward. Jesus is trying to form healthy habits in us, shaping us in the ways of God and the ways of God's people. We belong one to another. Community. We seek to strengthen and care for each other, and then we can serve God in the world. Our first lesson today that Tom read, we have a dramatic story. Dramatic story. The people of God have been wandering in the desert, as you heard, and they've been seeking to figure out who they are as God's people, and they have had many battles to fight. Psychological battles, theological battles, leadership battles, food worries, concerns about what to drink, all kinds of battles, and then come battles from others who they encounter, the Amalekites. When Moses held his hands up, as you heard, Israel was winning the battle. When he did not, Amalek prevailed in the battle. Here's a picture of God at work, guiding God's people. That's what Exodus is about. But here, too, is a picture of what's needed among God's people. Support and care is always needed among God's people. There are times when we need to be propped up. And there are other times when we're called on to be the ones who prop others up. And then God's purposes can prevail. That's what's in that story. We have to help each other so God can accomplish God's purposes. 
Jesus said, I'm giving you these commands so that you might love one another. There's a fantastic advertisement playing on TV these days. Maybe you've seen it. The setting is a gymnasium where a bunch of guys are playing basketball. All the guys playing basketball are in wheelchairs. They are sweating. They are passing. They are dribbling. They are shooting. They are pushing. They're shoving. They're all in wheelchairs. They're even encountering each other and falling over in their wheelchairs and getting themselves up and then continuing on in the game. Wrestling, fussing, crashing, getting up and playing again. It's a competitive experience with lots of sweat and lots of energy. And then the whistle blows. The game is over and all the players unleash themselves from their wheelchairs and stand up. And they start slapping fives and saying good game and they go all walking out the door except for one guy. He stays in his wheelchair and he wheels himself out. He doesn't get up. You cannot watch that advertisement without confirming what we all know. Solidarity, community, sincere care, and genuine relationships are some of the most valuable things of life. And the adult beverage promoted in this ad is touching on all of us about the core experience of life. We need each other. We depend on each other and we have to love and support one another as God's intimate community. This is what Jesus keeps teaching. I'm giving you these commands so that you might love one another and then you'll know the way to life and faith and joy and discipleship following Jesus. May God's Spirit guide us to become more and more God's intimate community that we may trust God with our lives and serve God to the ends of the earth. Alleluia. Amen. Let us pray. Interrupt us today, O God. Interrupt us. Enter our lives. Initiate new intimate connections that we might love and serve following Christ our Lord. Amen.